From the capital of Canada, you're listening to The Album Drop on CHUO 89.1 FM. That's a record. Their new album. New and excitingly different. And they keep dropping, dropping. Drop it like it's hot. You could drop on back. Drop dead sex. And then come those words we have all waited so long to hear. Your weekly look at the new release shelf begins right now. Here's Phil Shirakawa. And another episode of the album drop is on the air. Thanks for tuning in. Today on the program, we will be speaking to John Mullane. He's in a group called In Flight Safety out of Halifax. Really cool indie rock stuff that we'll be talking to him about. The music business, being in a Canadian band, and all sorts of things. Stick around for that. Also, we'll be looking at a new release from Ty Siegel and Michael Cronin. Reverse Shark Attack. Really cool, fuzzy rock stuff. If you like the loud fuzzy, you're really going to dig it. But we will begin today's show taking a look at new music from the Danks. Uh, They're out of Charlottetown, PEI. They got a really cool sound. Indie rock with a pop sensibility and a little bit of uh, classic rock fuzz. Kind of think the Strokes meets Tokyo Police Club. You know, very very Canadian, but I don't mean to make that sound like a bad thing. It, it It's just kind of the best way that I can describe what's going on here to you. Gank is the name of their new record. Came out last week, I believe. Perhaps the week before. It hasn't been out very long, that's what I'm telling you. And it's full of all sorts of fun stuff. High energy, high intensity tunes. The record uh, clocks uh, 11 or 12 tracks, clocks in just over 30 minutes, like 30 minutes in a few seconds. So it's short and it's to the point. They don't mess around and they don't need to. The tunes are good. We'll start with a tune called Not News. It's brand new stuff from the Danks. It's on the album drop, CHUO 89.1 FM. Make 
to the album drop only on CHUO 89.1 FM.
are listening to the album drop. Oh, that radio show. Oh, yeah, it's all the kids talk about on Monday at school. On CHUO 89.1 FM. in a row from the banks right here on the album drop chuo 89.1 fm summer lovin it's the name of that tune realty grows was before that and not news was the first one and all three on the new record gank which is available now in stores and online through finer digital retailers the group originally based out of prince edward island now makes their home in toronto and in this week's issue of exclaim magazine they talk a little bit about that saying that you know, while there's you know nothing wrong with the scene in Prince Edward Island, it's not the best jumping point for people interested in making a career in music. Subsequently, uh, it started with uh, singer-songwriter Brohan Moore moving out west, as they call it. Well, I guess it would be for coming from PEI. And then eventually getting the rest of the group to come and getting, you know, guys away from everything else they were doing out on the island and so on and you know demoing and 
because it's been four years since uh, their first record, Are You Afraid of the Danks, which did very well critically, not so well commercially, and then they kind of just fell off the map. But now they're back and they're kicking and well-deserved all the press and credibility that they've been receiving because of it. If you visit our website, thealbumdrop.tk, you can find a link to stream the entire record gank. Really fun stuff. Really, really high energy. Cool album. I implore you to do so. While you're there, you can check out the playlist of everything we're playing today. You can search through the website to find some podcasts, some previous episodes, there's interviews. You name it. Thealbumdrop.tk We're also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash TheAlbumDrop and on Twitter at TheAlbumDrop. I'm Phil Shurikawa. If you, uh, Got a question for me, or you want, you want to pass on you know, what you like, what you don't like, or who I should listen to, or who I should stop listening to, or anything like that, the email is thealbumdrop at mail.com. Very easy to remember all that information, the website thealbumdrop.tk. Switching gears now from uh, the light, fun, fuzzy pop stuff to the darker, louder, a little bit more serious, fuzzy stuff. Michael Cronin, Ty Siegel, two very uh, prolific American musicians. Originally cut some demos back in uh, 08 and 09 as the traditional Fools, which uh, ended up seeing a re-release earlier this year. And this doesn't flow like the way a collection of songs like a compilation usually does because you know you you know some records obviously you know bands put a lot of effort into how the songs are grouped and the order that you know they end up appearing on the release and how how they flow into one each other and so on for for a release that is essentially you know two different sessions two different eps put together you don't get that vibe on on this, which uh, has um, been relabeled as Ty Siegel and Michael Cronin Reverse Shark Attack. It's really cool. I, it's fuzzy, and I dig it. And I implore you to stick around and check it out. We're going to start with a cut called Drop Dead Baby from Reverse Shark Attack by Ty Siegel and Michael Cronin. It's on the album drop CHUO 89.1 FM.
what's up? This is Wade McNeil from Gallows, and you're listening to the album Drop on CHUO 89.1 FM. Listening to the album drop. You're listening to the album drop. You're listening to the album drop. You're listening to the album drop only on CHUO 89.1 FM.
Three tunes from the record Reverse Shark Attack, Ty Siegel, Michael Cronin, right here on the album drop, CHU 89.1 FM. Take up thy stethoscope and walk. It's the name of that one, I Wear Black, before that. Drop Dead, Baby. It's the name of the first one. From those leaders of the fuzzy garage rock movement coming out of the West Coast over the last few years, Ty Siegel and Michael Cronin, really Really interesting stuff. I hope you're digging it. The album drop CHUO 89.1 FM. Thank you for listening to the show. I'm Phil Shurikawa. And uh, we're, we're going to take a break here, but very quickly I wanted to make reference to something worth noting. Arguably one of the greatest, at least by far the most successful musician, singer-songwriter of all time. Paul McCartney turned 71 today. And uh, congratulations to you, Paul, for making it this far. Remember that time he was on The Simpsons? If you play Maybe I'm Amazed backwards, you'll hear a recipe for a really ripping lentil soup. The guy can do it all. We're going to take a break, come back with more right here in the album drop, CHUO 89.1 FM. You're only moments away from more great music. The album drop will return on CHUO 89.1 FM. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and now we're back on your radio. The album drop on CHUO 89.1 FM continues right now. CHUO 89.1 FM, I'm Phil Shurikawa, and this is the album drop. In just a few moments, I'll be joined by John Mullane, who plays guitar. He sings in a group called In Flight Safety out of Halifax. Really, really cool stuff. But first, let's go back to their 2009 release, We Are an Empire, My Dear. And from it, this is Big White Elephant, In Flight Safety. They're on the album drop, CHUO 89.1 FM.
CHUO 89.1 FM, and that's In Flight Safety. Big White Elephant is the name of that tune, and goes back to their 2009 release, We Are an Empire, My Dear. Group's working on a new record right now, probably I could talk about it, but I think it would be better suited to hear from uh, the source itself. Joining me via the telephone, John Mullane from the group In Flight Safety. Thank you for coming on the show, John. Maybe you could start by telling us how the group came together. Absolutely, of course it can. The band is, is, is I can I can hardly believe it myself, is uh, 10 years into uh, its existence now. We started uh, 10 years ago. We were just graduating university uh, at uh, in, in uh, Sackville, New Brunswick, at Mount A. And uh, a bunch of us who kind of were into the same kind of record, same kind of bands, kind of started playing music together. And that uh, quickly grew into... Uh, a bunch of friends who were writing songs and trying to create our own thing um, out of those, you know, kind of born out of the records that we were all listening to at the time. And uh, then it got kind of obsessive, and <laughs> next thing you know, we had uh, an EP. And that was how it all started. Right on. Now, uh, you had mentioned that uh, you were at Mount A, Mount Allison University, when the band formed. And uh, now correct me if I'm wrong here, but from what I understand, none of you were actually studying music at the time, you all were just, uh, you know, four guys that were going to university, trying to do your thing there. Would that be an accurate way of uh, describing it? That's true, yeah. I mean, it, it, what's cool about it, and, and also what was kind of scary about it at the time, is it wasn't meant to be... Um, I mean, I think we're all sort of ambitious dudes who were interested in, you know, really working hard on something, but we never thought it would be something that would sort of distract from maybe the degrees we were in and stuff like that, but... Uh, yeah, we're all in different, uh, the people I was playing with at the time, which is, is somewhat different now, and, and Glenn and I are still um, in the band together. Awesome. Uh, now tell me, John, after university, instead of going the career route like many of your uh, contemporaries and your classmates did, you instead went for one of the lowest paying jobs out there, Canadian musician. Ten years later... Is it paying the bills yet, or do you still have to work on the side as well to make ends meet? Definitely. we definitely. I think, I mean, any Canadian band, um, let's be honest, or most of them anyway, will speak to that. It's, it's always a make-it-work kind of situation. Sometimes you're busier than others, and sometimes there's more money than other times. So, um, you know, it's really difficult in uh, a downtime between albums and stuff to try to, you know, figure out what's next and, and make those plans and then, and then execute like uh, a plan with a record and uh, like your writing doesn't really pay you anything. <laughs> so when you're slow, like I am to write the next record, it doesn't, it's a really difficult year because there's not a lot of shows and stuff. So yeah, it's a challenge, but uh, we uh, have had a lot of, uh, we've been blessed with a lot of uh, success and, and, uh, and some good gigs and, and good music uh, placements on TV and film. Now, uh, I think people have the wrong idea when they uh, hear about bands getting their songs on TV shows and movies and commercials and things like that. Maybe you could clear that up a bit for us. As a band, would this be something that you actively pursue, or do the uh, producers and writers and people like that come knocking on your door, or is it something in between? How how does that all work? Yeah, it is it's a kind of an esoteric field. It's not that easy. People often are, will come and ask me, like, how'd you get that song? And so-and-so, but uh, I think a lot of it is the music supervisors. They look for music all the time, and, and they've heard a ton. So it just I think it has a lot to do with the kind of music we make. It's uh, cinematic and sort of fits on on uh, moving picture uh, relatively well, so we've, we've done well in that regard. 
and um, we have uh, we've always had people who have helped us by like pitching our music to different shows and stuff. So it kind of goes on without us knowing about it, which is lovely because we can kind of just do our own thing, and then um, the, the songs get put on people's desks every now and then. You never know when. And every now and then you'll get a phone call saying they'd like to use your song in this uh, film, and you go, great. Cool. Now, I think part of what makes a band interesting would be how their mystique builds over the course of their career. And I would have to imagine that one of the earliest highlights of your career would be getting an email from David Bowie. Can you tell us, John, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the oldest stories, one of the most mythical oldest uh, band tales we have in... uh, when we first started out, we were in Sackville, and, and again, everyone was in classes and school, and we were working on the band every evening and every weekend, and, and we were making this record called Vacation Land. It was just a little EP we did back then, uh, and uh, uh, we had uh, played a few shows randomly around the Maritimes, and at one of the shows, um, there was a, another show going on in, in, our, in the next room over, which was like a bigger, we were in like a tiny little venue, because we were starting out, and next room over had a big show going on and then when those guys finished they kind of came over and checked out our band and one of those people was M. Griner and M. had just come off tour she was singing backup vocals for, for David Bowie and, and this world tour in 2003 so or 2002 I think it was at the time and she um, basically somehow for some and, I, and it's still unexplained she sort of fell in love with what we were doing right at that moment it was sort of right, it was what she was looking for uh, musically, and it just was a weird situation where she just was like, "This is what I want to hear, exactly right now." And so she bought up, kind of had these homemade CDs with like the stickers pressed on. Stuff. <laughs> we she bought all six of them or seven of them, whatever we had. She bought them all, and she just sent them to a few people. And uh, we didn't know what was going on with this. She was just we were just really over the moon that someone who was like a Juno nominated singer songwriter was was interested in trying to like help mentor and, and, and she's like, I want to help you guys. We're like, this is great. This is the kind of thing we're looking for. And then, it, you know, a month later she forwarded me an email that was like very, very brief, but it was like, the subject was like in play. And it said, nice, nice album. Thanks for sending it to him. DB. <laughs> and, uh, I pretty much fell off my chair, uh, <laughs> because it just didn't make sense. You know, younger guy at the time and just sort of, that was my first foray into like making a recorded record and, and really putting my heart and soul into like every element of the aesthetic of what it was going to be. And and to have someone at his level, which is far beyond where I'll ever be, um, sort of put a small, the small vote of confidence behind it, um, was kind of blew my mind. Yeah. I mean, there was, not really a lot of people that are at uh, David Bowie's level of fame. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'm slightly uncomfortable with with that the fact that that is even public knowledge. Even though I, I'm probably sure we made it public at the time, probably I'm slightly uncomfortable because I wouldn't expect him to know who we are, or like, you know, I don't want him to. I would hate for him to think that he has to vouch for us or something because I'm not that kind of person. But uh, it just it really it was a lovely story, and it like kind of blew our collective minds as we were in Sackville, New Brunswick, you know, of all places, and here was this email that suggested that what we were doing had something to it, and that was where the magic was. It was like, there's something to what we're doing. This is crazy, because we didn't see beyond Sackville. It was just tiny town, you know, and um, the fact that someone like him was actually inspired enough just to write him back and say, thanks for sending it, was just blew our mind, yeah. 
would you say that this gave you the the push that you needed to uh, focus on this uh, kind of as a full-time career-oriented kind of project? Uh, absolutely, and I think that a lot of young bands now, and I think we, in hindsight, that was the sort of sign. In a lot of, in a lot of times now, bands starting out, uh, you know, it's like there is no sign. You know, even we don't have a sign. That was probably as good as it gets, right? Like, it's like, what are you waiting for? It's either you're doing it, and there's something to what you're doing, or there's not, or there, or maybe there is if you work at it. But there really isn't signs anymore. Like, there's no one at the end of the line going. Congratulations, you've made it to the music industry. It's just not like that. It's sort of a gradual thing. And there's lots of ups and lots of downs. And as far as vote of confidence is early on, that was really just the thing that really did make me think, hey, maybe I should, you know, really put more of my next year or two into this and rather than just sort of, you know, what do, what do we do now? It's kind of confusing because all of a sudden we put all this time into the band and something did come from it. I didn't expect that. That's always been a thing that has confused me is, is quote-unquote success because I didn't plan for it in my head. And even now, it's hard to deal with. Uh, and, and that sounds, if that's taken the wrong way, that would sound bad, but it's hard to understand when you have a little bit of success what you do with it because if there's not a, a lot of money, um, it's just a really challenging industry. Uh, and so having success is motivating, but it's also confusing when you're not sure how you even got there, and that's what kind of I felt. I've, I've always kind of felt like that about music. All right. Um, so I guess would, it would be fair to say then when you started the group, uh, the top of the charts wasn't exactly even on your radar, was it? That's right, and it's like well, the music was made from, you know, uh, an honest kind of almost a hermetic place, like sealed in a basement in Sackville. It wasn't made to be, uh, hey, check me out. So it confuses you a little bit when, when you start going into the public. And, you ha- and that's been an adjustment over the years of how to present yourself in the public as part of this. It's not just about writing songs. You know, it's about creating a product that is consumable by the public in a way that gives them a lot of meaning. And that's something that you, you, know, that you really don't, can't prepare for when you start a band. And, and that's something that, uh, in hindsight, I realized was the hardest thing about getting the band, a band off the ground is, is learning how to do everything, not just write a song. And there are so many ways to do it today. I mean, you know, everybody seems to have their own style. How important do you think are things like Facebook and Twitter and social media, YouTube, all that kind of stuff to the success of a band in 2013? I mean, I really, I think they're important tools, but I really think at the end of the day, I really think it has to do with what you offer as a, as a, as a shop. Like, you're a band, or, you know, like your personality and your songs. I think that's everything. And I think social media can help propel. Because I see there are bands probably that are very popular that don't do Twitter or Facebook or something like that. They're probably suffering a little bit. But the, sometimes I see bands that aren't really into it, and you may know some of these bands. Maybe they were on Pitchfork one day, and they have a really good record out. And you see them, and they have like, you know, 850,000 fans on Facebook. And they're not doing anything. So it makes you think, well, really... It, it, it's nice to have it, but you can see if someone has half a million people on there and they haven't done any posts yet, something else is going on. Yeah, fair enough. I, I never really understood why bands could have these huge captive audience and then, you know, like, not market towards them. Yeah, I mean, that's a question for them. But it's interesting how they still have half a million people on there and haven't posted anything. <laughs> it's obviously uh, people love 
a band for what they've always loved. It's like what they connect with it. They identify with the person singing. They identify with how they look, and they identify with the music at the end of the day. So I do think it's super important, and I do it, and I enjoy it. But I do it because I enjoy it. But I really feel like there are some bands who don't even need to touch it. They're still just doing really well because they have that product that people like are really interested in. And I've seen it before on some bands, especially the pitchforky ones. They're not always on Facebook. And uh, it's amazing how many fans they have. It makes it it's sort of embarrassing for bands that are sort of a, a smaller indie band. You're listening to the Album Drop, CHUO 89.1 FM. I'm Phil Shurikawa. Thanks for tuning in. We're speaking to John Mullane from the group In Flight Safety. And John, we know that uh, you're working on a new record. You just dropped a new single. Will, uh, will the record see both a physical and a digital release? Yeah, we'll definitely do. We're sort of into, we're, we've always been into physicality, and we'll definitely do vinyl, and we'll do a uh, CD. Um, we're still in the mixing, uh, and then a few a little bits of recording, but mostly mixing phase now. So uh, there's a lot uh, left to do there, and uh, but we're going to uh, definitely create a, a vinyl version and a, and a CD version. Do you think vinyl is on the way back, or are you guys just trying to like cash in on a trend? Like, do you, do you listen to vinyl? I do. Uh, I buy a lot of vinyl, but I buy a lot of new vinyl. Um, I, I records that I download on iTunes that I love, I definitely order them in vinyl every time when, they're, when they exist. So, you know, that's my, my kind of way of having a relationship with those records that I love. That's a little more meaningful than just having them in my iTunes. Absolutely. See, so, you know what I like to do? I mean, I like to buy the vinyl first is, uh, and hope that it comes with a digital download, at least that way, then you don't have to pay twice. I do. Uh, I buy a lot of vinyl. Exactly. The problem is I'm like I'm like the new modern consumer now too because I sample a ton of stuff and if I don't like it I don't ever get the vinyl. But what happens now, <laughs> and this is really funny to me, is I have a ton of vinyl. Like uh, my wife and I have this big bookshelf where we put all our, our vinyl, kind of staring out at us, and and you can flip some of them around and they can the covers can face out. And um, there's a few up there that are just not even on on still in the plastic <laughs> because we've already listened to the shit out of them on the mp3 players and in the car and stuff they're just we just bought them because we believe those should be in our house and it's a funny little thing how that's happened for sure i mean i think overall like it's a, it's a better package um like than than what you'd get with a cd it's just you know it, it really showcases it more as a uh, as a piece of art than um than the cd ever could i agree and, I, and I, I really like uh, having the artwork and like I said some aren't even unwrapped I just I'm, I'm fine with that because I've, it's like I bought records from, from the 90s that I've listened to and I know memorized so what, I don't even necessarily need to play them it's only when I have friends over that we throw them on so in some cases like some of my favorite records I've bought them on vinyl since they've been reissued or what have you and I'm not a purist I don't care about that stuff I just want to have the records you know um, I'm, I'm not into first pressing and stuff like that it's not, not for me Especially on the budget of a Canadian musician, right? Yeah, well, that that too. It's just it's just not something I've ever been into. I thought I was into it one time, but no, I just like to have them. If they're, I've got a, like a lot of new records that have been reissued, for, like '90s releases that, like uh, bands like Blur and stuff like that. And I've got those on vinyl now because they put out like all those record companies are putting them out. I enjoy buying those when I uh, and so I get to go to the music store and flip through the the new vinyl. That's that's where I end up. I don't go to the CD section anymore. I just I don't touch it. I'm not interested. And you're certainly not the only one. 
Now, can you tell us what does the future hold for in-flight safety? Well, um, really, the record has to be completely finished, and then we're going to kind of decide. Uh, you know, maybe we're going to talk to some friends, see if they'll put it out, or maybe we'll put it out ourselves. And uh, once the record's out, we'll kind of follow it around. We'll just kind of throw it out there and see what sticks, and we'll kind of chase it around like a like a puppy. <laughs> it's like if it if it's you know if there's something going on, we have some partners in Germany. And if they're they're liking the record, we'll go over there, and if, if People in Toronto want to see the show, and we can tell that that's where it will be. We'll be there. We'll be across Canada. It's really just we're in a really neat spot where we have all this experience and, and years of perspective. We kind of uh, can be more thoughtful about how we put something out now. You know, you touched on something there I want to ask you about, and uh, this will be the last thing before I let you go. Because you've been doing this a while. You said, you know, about 10 years or so, but you're still based out of the East Coast, uh, based out of Halifax, is that a good spot for a band to be based out of, especially, you know, a band that's trying to make it uh, in this business? Or, um, you know, do you think there's maybe somewhere better you could do? Or what is your perspective on that whole uh, that whole argument? I think it's limiting um, maybe in terms of geographically. Like, we, I think bands that aren't Canadian and trying to be involved and engaged in the music community should be in Toronto a lot, so there's that. It's sort of a hub, I believe. And I believe also we lack a few of the... Uh, especially the kind of music that we make and we're inspired by, we don't get a ton of those shows in Halifax. So we travel a lot to see shows, and we make sure we go to a lot of festivals. And we'll play a lot of, like we'll play self by even when maybe we don't have a record out, just because we'll play and we'll go and we'll see like 15 or 16 shows from bands that we've been listening to. And really, it's it's like basically essential. Otherwise, I don't know how you would, uh, you yourself, put on better shows or you yourself write better songs. So, that's a limiting factor in Halifax. I mean, there's a lot of great musicians here, as we all know. Um, classified, Plaskett, David Miles, etc., etc. Um, but we, uh, the kind of bands that we listen to, don't frequently come to town. So, like, you know, you're not going to see M83 in Halifax. You're not going to see uh, local natives in Halifax. So, those are bands we really aspire to be like, or or, or steal, like literally steal ideas from and stuff. So we really lack a bit there, and, and Glenn and I often sort of are disappointed that we have to go so far just to see shows, but that's part of the job when you live, we have a lower cost of living out here, and it's a lovely place to live, so that's the price to pay. This is where our family is and where we're from, so we don't, we never had plans to leave. We just knew we had to work a little harder to get into, to just, you know, get our faces out there and get, and get um, into the I know, just kind of like get out there a little more and, and, and really make ourselves, bring ourselves to the show rather than wait for it to come here because it doesn't. Fair enough. My thanks to you, John. Uh, John Mullane, In Flight Safety is the name of the group. New record imminently, uh, eventually, I guess, will be a better way of describing it. But a new single is out now, tearing up the uh, CBC3 charts and uh, doing gangbusters on the internet. It's called Destroy. It's brand new stuff from In Flight Safety on the album drop CHUO 89.1 FM.
Brand new stuff from In Flight Safety on the album drop, CHUO 89.1 FM. Destroy is the name of that tune. Their website, InFlightSafety.com, has got that one streaming. As soon as you click to the main page, you'll see the little player going across the bottom. Press play. Bada boom. Or search In Flight Safety on SoundCloud to pick that one up. Our thanks again to John Mullane for calling into the program and having a chat with us. I'll uh, cut that up and put it up on the website, thealbumdrop.tk, for your re-listening pleasure. It's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much. I'm Phil Shurikawa. Facebook.com slash thealbumdrop on Twitter, at thealbumdrop is how you get in touch with us. Previous episodes are available on demand at chuo.fm or on iTunes by searching The Album Drop. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Have a beautiful time. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Keep fit and have fun. If you missed anything or just can't get enough, check out thealbumdrop.com. Welcome to the internet, my friend. We'll be back next week on CHUO 89.1 FM.